we know what we're doing. We know what 300 we're doing. episodes, and we uh, suck. We don't suck. We just... No, <laughs> it was stuff. the worst transition after. <laughs> I know. Hey, everybody. This is Gomer. I got Luke here, and we have my buddy, Nate Hoffman, on. Nate Hoffman, hey who is... Hey. Hi, Nate. Was, oh, Good to meet gosh, you. I was, I was going to do an intro and everything, but now I'm not going to. Nate, No, tell uh, me about myself. He's okay. Hi. Let's hear it. Uh, Nate is the son of a Jewish carpenter who has shockingly got into finance. He is, uh, big money changer, big money changer. No, he He is is, all the, uh, Dave Ramsey way. Now praises a golden calf. (laughs) Uh, it's all about that money. Guilty. Um, no, he is actually in charge of development and communications currently at St. Anthony of Padua Roman Catholic church and community in the Woodlands, Texas. Can we just talk about fundraising then? Oh, let's do it. Let's no. make this a fundraising pod. <laughs> no, that's coming with my friend Kevin, who I've never gotten back to. But, I mean, we can do it anyways. I'm excited to be here. Thank you, Mike, for the for the tap. I've been waiting. The I've never listened Mike? to an episode, and this might be the first one. Oh, yeah. We're happy to have you here. You You have never listened to an episode? No, I listened to the – well, I don't need to, Mike, because ever I since know. I started working with you – all, all my interactions with you are essentially podcasts, minus Luke. So I'm excited to hear what Luke has to say today, because that's yeah, the only that, thing I'm missing on the Catching Foxes experience. That's true. That's true. I mean, and I, I will remind you that your entire wedding party, not entire wedding party, many guests at your wedding are big fans of the show. A lot of them were on the fence about coming down to Texas until they heard you might be in attendance, <laughs> that you had got an invitation. They didn't know whether you were coming, but they heard that you might come. So mm. uh, that that uh, weighed the balance for them. But yeah. seriously, I'm excited to talk about this. Lord of the Rings. Did, I, did you even say that yet? This is nope. the Lord of the Rings. This is the Lord of the Rings show. We're going to make it official. What is Gandalf for? I much desire to speak with him. <laughs> Most awkward lines from the first three movies. What would you One, say? One, seen the eye. <laughs> I think the Rivendell scene at the end of the first movie where, uh, wait, is it the end of the first movie? No, where? it's the end of the third. If it's what I'm thinking of where they all kind of start laughing and dancing and hugging okay. each other after yes. he throws away their But where's the one where, what's his name, Bilbo tries to grab the, oh, that's the in ring. Rivendell at the end like, of the first. Yeah, the end, yeah, when they're in Rivendell and he wakes I up. Right in Holmes. <laughs> but that 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 whole thing, I was just like, oh, oh, this is great. This is great. Those were good movies. I'd love to talk about that trilogy today because those were very good films. And well, I enjoyed watching it and I like rewatching them. We're not because we gotta talk about Hot D and Rings of Power. But um, I'm just kidding. We'll talk about those first three. I'm happy to do that. I just figured out what you're talking about with Hot D. Yeah, House of It. House of the Dragon. Right. So have you watched both, Nate, as uh, as you casually take I have. Yes. So I have um, no children and I have tons of free time. So, of course, I'm caught up on every TV show. How is it? Um, (laughs) Tell me. I'm soaking it up. So my wife is due in two months. So I'm just I'm just being glued to a television. uh, Before that, sleep, watch TV, just ignore her for a bit. (laughs) Watch TV. That's good advice. Good advice. Uh, Yeah. So I have I've watched House of the Dragon, both the two episodes that are out right now, and I watched both episodes of the uh, Lord of the Rings show last night with a friend. So yeah, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan. Was a big. Reader, growing up, I've I've read the books uh, dozens of times. I've read the Silmarillion, so I, I, uh, I even listened to like a podcast that goes chapter by chapter through Lord of the Rings. Um, 
and and but I'm not one of those weirdos who's a really big like Tolkien nerd. I'm not one of those guys. But uh, no, no, but no, no. Yeah, no, not at all. But uh, no. I, so I, yeah, I was cautiously optimistic about this show, and and um, I don't know. I still okay, am. I guess so, I still am. So that's interesting because well, one actually, I, I have a question about your Tolkien fandom. Have you ever dreamt in Elvish? No, 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 not yet. Not I hope yet. to. I pray. That I just think that'd be very interesting day. if you did. Hmm. Like, like a token fan who's just who has a dream, and it's just like you know, so much of it that you just dream in Elvish. That'd be kind mm. of amazing. Yeah. So, so most recent, my most recent reread was. Uh, I mentioned my wife's pregnant. I thought it would be. I've heard that it's nice to read to your unborn child in the womb. And I heard that, and I thought, oh, I'll try my favorite book. I'll try Lord of the Rings. So I, I read the first chapter of Lord of the Rings, which is uh, an unexpected party. When I finished that chapter, my wife said, maybe. Maybe let's not do this anymore. So then, <laughs> then I started reading it to myself, and I ended up like falling into that rabbit hole of like I was I had like a headlamp on. I would be reading for hours after yeah. like we went to bed, and I was just like I couldn't stop. And so if I was ever going to read uh, Dreaming Elvish, it would have been then. But that was my ro- most recent reread. It was tied to that. It was also in anticipation of the show because I was just. Uh, you know, super psyched. And I guess I, I was psyched about the, the book and I loved it more than I ever have before. Um, so yeah, going in, unlike a lot of Tolkien heads, I, I was optimistic about the show. I thought it, mm-hmm. I thought it, the, the material is so good that surely the show has to be somewhat good, right? That was what I thought. I want to first talk to you guys about a great new sponsor we have here on Catching Foxes, the Saint Maker. It's time to take a good look in the mirror and ask yourself, are you okay with doing just the bare minimum? Of course you're not, loser. God is calling you to greatness, to sainthood. I'm just kidding. They actually didn't add the loser part. I did. God is calling you to greatness, to sainthood. But be honest, is that the path you're on most days? The Saint Maker is is a -a one-of-a-kind personal journal and planner to help you reignite your faith, succeed in life, and experience true spiritual freedom. Centered on Catholic wisdom, it's backed by modern productivity science, and it keeps you you focused, productive, and on fire for the faith every day. Thousands of Catholics are already on the Saint Maker journey and are reporting their amazing results. Uh, They sent me a copy a couple weeks ago. I really do like it. There's a ton ton of stuff there. There's a lot of stuff to chill and I've really enjoyed it. I love being able to, uh, the part about working on different types of virtues. Big, big, I'm a fan of that. Something I desperately need right now, as do we all, sinners. With the Saint Maker free trial offer, you can try it for 90 days risk-free. If you decide it's not for you, return your Saint Maker for a full refund, including shipping. That's amazing. 90 days risk-free, and you can return it for a full refund, including shipping. My gosh. Take, listen, take advantage of this. Catching Foxes listeners can learn more about Saint Maker and get 10% off their first Saint Maker by visiting the saintmaker.com slash catchingfoxes and use promo code catchingfoxes, all one word, at checkout. That's the saintmaker.com slash catching. Foxes, be sure to use the promo code Catching Foxes to get your exclusive 10% discount today. Thank you to the Saint Maker for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. Yeah. So in the in the lore of the Lord of the Rings, where does the show take place? Because for me, my Tolkien fandom was way late. It was when the movies came, and then I didn't read the books until well after the third movie had dropped. Um, when me and Luke were in college together, Nate, I believe you said you were in third grade, uh, 
Uh, every time we would come home for every time we would come home for winter break there was another uh lord of the rings movie and i was like this is awesome because it takes away from me all of the fear uh or all of the annoyance of like having to wait because it's like awesome i just saw this movie i think i saw uh, all three of them twice in the theaters you know with different groups of people i think one of them even the uh the second one was my favorite i think i saw that three times in theaters but the experience was like, oh, okay, now I'm off to college. College is fun. I don't have to think about it. And then I get home and I'm like, oh, I got the Lord of the Rings waiting for me, baby. So it was just this like funny shift. But I, I will never forget, never forget seeing that second movie where they're doing right before they flash the Lord of the Rings logo and they're, they're rehashing Gandalf's death, right? Oh, and, yeah. and then you see him, what happens from his perspective and you're just like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing ever. And then, uh, yeah. And then for Life Teen, the first ever book review I ever did for them was the Silmarillion, which I hadn't read. And uh, the the Chronicles of Narnia books were coming out, and I was like, it. yeah. And I was like, I'm gonna the the Chronicles of Narnia movie was coming out, so they were wanting me to do a chapter on or a um, book review for every one of the books, and then go see the movie. But before that, I was like, well, I'm in the middle of the Silmarillion. Can I just write a quick book review on that? And they were like, sure. So that was the first one ever hosted on LifeTeed.com. First ever book review is my love of the Silmarillion. And I honestly kind of liked it more than the Lord of the Rings. Oh, really? Yeah. I remember you Different. saying that. Why? Yeah. Um, because I, I, I think there's enough character and stories in it that drew me in but the thing i loved is the world building and that starts with the great mythology from from the beginning right it's like the book of genesis all the way to second chronicles and i loved it very old testament type of reading but the characters are are through lines throughout i thought for a long time that each story was each chapter was like a standalone thing and then you actually read it but the characters go throughout some of the characters are actually uh, featured in the tv show briefly um and it yeah it's it's definitely differently more of an old testament type of read than the, the like the new testament of of lord of the rings <laughs> than the new testament then what would the hobbit be if if we're doing this would the hobbit be like uh yeah the, the dead sea scrolls or something like that <laughs> the shepherd of hermas <laughs> so but i've heard that i've heard that the old testament style of the, uh the similar the um similar did i say that right Close enough. There you go. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, that that's intentional. <laughs> sorry, you shouldn't have showed me these media buttons. <laughs> I'm sorry, Luke. Uh, go on. I mean, I, I heard that his that it being in an Old Testament style was intentional. Is that true? I don't know. I I, I don't know. I, I wish. See, I told you, I'm I'm only a medium nerd. Okay, I'm not the full like know all of his thoughts. The one Tolkien factoid yeah. that I um, that I do love that I know is is he was telling all these stories to Christopher, his son, who edited and compiled the the Silmarillion later on after Tolkien had died. Um, and so early in life, he's telling stories about the Hobbit and the dwarves and and all these things, and he kept getting details mixed up. Uh, he had, and I don't remember if it was a jewel or a hat or something, and it was the wrong color the next night. And Christopher uh, told him, but father, last night the jewel was red. And Tolkien apparently says, damn it, boy. And, and he goes off and starts writing it all down so he can get it right for these bedtime yeah. stories. And that turns into The Hobbit, which turns into The Lord of the Rings, which is part of this larger, you know, legendarium that he had been imagining since he was uh, in the in the 
in World War One. You know, he was in the mm-hmm. in those battles, thinking like this, thinking like as his escapism. Uh, he was thinking of of this fantasy world that eventually all tied together, partly because of Christopher's uh, editing. So I, I love that story of just like a flustered father saying, "Like I, I don't." Don't contradict me one more time, son. I'm writing this down. I got it right. <laughs> and I'm British, so you know that I am emotionally distant. Uh. <laughs> so the funny thing about that is, like, what the reason why I wanted to have Nate on the show is because me and Nate do a podcast periodically called Beyond the Bulletin for our parish. And we were talking about a recent catechist day that we did. And at the end, Nate threw the curveball. And he's like, are you excited about the Lord of the Rings show? And I was like, wait okay let's talk about this you know and because luke we had just recorded a day or two before where i was like f george r, r. martin f this f that f this house of the d or whatever it's called and hot d, hot and, d. sorry house, hot, house of the d is a different d. yeah hot, that's it. So, so for everyone who's aware the show is called house of the dragon people are calling it hot d which is actually it, it works a lot because one it sounds pornographic so still on brand Two hot D Dragonfire on brand, and then that the fact that it's just the the letters is it works. But um, no, and so one of the things that I had heard about Jared Tolkien was that he was trying to. There was this this big trend in British literature and in in college that had basically been there since William the Conqueror, which is to favor French things, and the, like the aristocrats always spoke English and French. That's how Latin enters into the English vernacular. Um, but it was J.R. Tolkien and his love of Beowulf and those types of stories that recovered the Germanic side of things. And then the fashioning of the Lord of the Rings is very much a, um, uh, of, a of a Germanic approach to literature and, and epics and all that stuff. And I just found that to be so very fascinating. Yeah, and that definitely comes through in... Um... I think the the Ro, the characters from Rohan, especially, are very Germanic. Uh, Theoden is a is a very Germanic character. Even like Gondor, you might see as being like a, a French aristocracy, like sort of educated overseas. And then with and then the Shire is is like the humble uh, town folk that yeah. Tolkien fought uh, the war with, who, who he saw as the real heroes, not the uh, not the noblemen, but the the characters like Sam, who don't have a noble background at all. He saw Sam as being the um, you know, the main hero of Lord of the Rings, um, who represents kind of the English countryside, I guess. So, yeah. um, yeah, yeah. Beautiful stuff. Yeah. So I, okay. So here's where I am right now. I have, I have seen one episode of hot D and I probably won't be watching anymore. And I have seen, um, just because of the stuff and I'm like, you know what? Probably a bit much now. Yeah. Uh, and I have not seen the, uh, the rings of power, but I am going to, I was indifferent to them. Mostly because I, um, I don't even know if it's because they're doing the the Lord of the Rings and all of like like wokeism things that people are scared of. I don't really care about any of that. For me, it was more. Uh, I'm just sick of reboots and going back to. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of tired of uh, IP. Yeah, and so I'm tapping out of the great IP war. I mean, I'm not, but I want to. <laughs> like it's it's basically got a stranglehold on me, and I'm almost ready to be like, nope, count me out, ref. Uh, and that was why I was in, in different to it. And then I started hearing some people who talk about it, who said it looks really cool. Uh, they're very excited. But like, and these are not like, these are diehard Tolkien fans. They're not, not religious people by, by any means. And there's been this big pushback by some religious 
people and some diehard token fans against the show. So having seen the first two episodes, where are you on it right now? Nate? I was very bored. And I, and I was not trying to be bored by the show. I went in with uh, an open mind. I, I wasn't going to be turned away by this idea that it was going to be a woke show. I, I was confident that I was hopeful that they wouldn't make it sort of the same reboots that we've seen. For example, like I'm a big foundation fan as well. If you're familiar with that sci-fi yeah. series and yeah. I watched a couple episodes of that. It wasn't any good at all. And so I was with you with the whole, like another reboot, another reboot, but then Top Gun saved everything for me. Like if they're going <laughs> to Top Gun, uh, maybe they can pull this off. <laughs> Luke, Nate said the best line on the podcast where he said, I'm just young enough to be ready to be hurt again. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. I'm, I'm still innocent. I'm still like, I, I'll give my heart to this idea that Amazon might be able to make a good Lord of the Rings show. I wasn't turned away by like, you know, you see on lines that they, they there's a, there's a black, dwar- uh, black elf, you know, Tolkien wrote the elves to be fair, fair skinned and, you know, and this idea that, Elves could only be white or something. And I thought that was totally ridiculous, you know, low-key racist. Like, who, Tolkien didn't – I don't think he cared that the the, the elves only had to be uh, white or something like that. And and uh, maybe he – or maybe he did 100 years ago, but he maybe probably wouldn't uh, today. So I wasn't turned away by that. wasn't turned away by the marketing, which had Galadriel in the uh, – like the center. Because um, she is a badass. She's a great character, not only in The Lord of the Rings, but in The Silmarillion and then in like the – the like the, this there's this volume called the histories of middle earth and there's 12 volumes and galadriel is an awesome character and and she tolkien wrote her as wanting to start a kingdom of her own and she's a total badass she's seen the light of the trees which you see in the show and so she's you know innately much more powerful than you know all these other characters so i'm like yeah she should be powerful this is this is going to be great but then you get to the show and I don't know, Mike, what you thought, but two episodes in, I don't care about any of the characters I saw. The world building is beautiful. The the music, the technicalities of the show and everything, but every single character was so flat and so one-dimensional. They only, you, you felt like the, they only cared about one thing. All their conversations were about one thing. I was so bored during the show. I watched it with a friend and we were, we were like having side conversations, talking about he, he had gone to a new barber that day. And we're like, oh, I was like, oh, a new barber. Tell me about that. And the show <laughs> that I had been anticipating for years was on. I just yeah. wanted to hear like what kind of haircut he had gotten. So <laughs> I don't know. Two hours in, I'm I'm still gonna watch. They they still have my time because I don't have any kids, you know. But um, I I I'm not that I'm not that excited. I don't think they stuck it. Mike, what did you think? You watched them both. Yeah. So I watched them both, and I had to rewatch the second one because. Uh alcohol <laughs> yeah I, I um gomer before you you say anything i just want i just want to say uh i kept the receipts so with whatever you say here i'm gonna if you contradict yourself i'm gonna pull up the receipts so let me let me tell you what happened the other day so right now i am drinking and you guys can verify this i'm drinking truly's uh fruit punch berry punch it's four percent alcohol my wife had purchased and and this is like the only hard seltzer i drink like this and for the most part, this is like when me and my wife have a drink at night and we hang out. That's what I drink. But my wife bought me Bud Platinum Hard Seltzer. What a lady. What a lady. What a my lady. wife is St. Louis from beginning to end. You can take the girl out of NASCAR, but you can't take the NASCAR out of the girl. And uh, <laughs> so she like buys. And you will enjoy the Nelly song that comes with it every time you open it up. 
so uh, it has 8% alcohol by volume. Now, it doesn't sound like a lot, but it's twice as much. So when you have the same number, all of a sudden, uh, you're buzzing a lot more. And by buzzing, I, re- I realized, like, so me and my watch had, okay, so the full story is my son Noah is reading the Harry Potter books. When they finish a book, we watch the movie. My daughter Katiri is reading the Hunger Games. She's 12, whatever. It's time for her to watch Children Murder Children. So when she finishes the book, and they're big books for, for kids, right? They're big books, so we reward them. So rewarding means you stay up late, we watch the movie. And so I'm so proud of them, and they're both doing this, and, and it's great. And uh, so <laughs> we had finished the Hunger Games, so that was an hour. Katiri goes to bed. And me and Shannon had, I probably had like two or three. And then I turn on the first uh, Lord of the Rings. And I have like two or three more. And then there's a second one. Now, I should not drink at all after this moment. But I have two or three more. And then I grab a ranch water, which my wife was drinking. <laughs> because I am gone. I have not day. been that drunk in, in years. Years. I had forgotten how it feels, especially the next morning, to be like that. And mm-hmm. the whole night, I'm like t- sending Luke audio messages well, Luke, what was i saying I, I don't even remember what i was saying i, I mean, didn't I keep it it for you at one point oh, in time gosh. you said a thing where like all the woke people are wrong this show is good <laughs> <laughs> so this is okay so here is my perspective i think and a couple shows have done this i think there is this trend where they want to capture the woke momentum which is dumb and so they pitch the show as it being this like total like uh, Ghostbusters, the reboot, whatever that was called with the women actresses, where it's going to be like, oh, we're women, we're empowered, we're doing this, we got this, we're just as good as the guys. And they do this thing where a lot of the ads of the show was just women, right? It was just Galadriel, it was just her kicking ass, and it was just men telling her, hang it up, Elrond, you know, give up, blah, blah, blah. But then when I watched the show, I was like, it's not like that at all. I mean, Galadriel is all kill all the time, but that's in keeping with her character, just like you said. It's, it's, yeah. So when I started watching this, I'm like, mm-hmm. come on. And I hate, I hate the toxic online people who are fans of Star Wars or fans of all the things I'm fans of, uh, who do the thing like you just said, like that low-key racism of like, but this character was white and now they're black. No one cared. Everyone loved that Samuel L. Jackson played the character that he played in the Marvel Cinematic Universe mm-hmm. of uh, Nick Fury. Mm-hmm. No one no one once said anything, but then they start changing up some other characters and then people are like, rah! It's because he was the perfect character for Nick Fury. Everyone that saw that was like, yes, that guy should have. So anyway. I, so the- I didn't even realize he was white in the comics. I just <laughs> picture him as Samuel L. Jackson. Right, and he does such a good job in the role. But uh, let me just say, the 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 I feel like the trailers and all the controversy that then surrounded it dialed the woke ism up to an eleven, and then in really in reality, it was just it was like a five or a six. It was totally not distracting from me enjoying the show. Now that said. It's mostly about the pretty landscapes and the set designs than it is about actually caring about the characters. So now, I, I agree. Here's the thing, though. I'm going to be able to play a little bit of a devil's advocate Please do. Here. You ever heard of a guy named Terrence Malick? Famous director. Yes, sure. Yes. That's all he does is that stuff. I mean, to the point where he is criticized for having films that have, like, hardly any narrative what whatsoever. So... It, do you think that's what they're trying to do right now? Is just engulf you in this world at the expense of at the expense of these the story? 
Well, Terrence Malick uh, goes to you know France and Germany, and if he's filming a hidden life, he's actually on site, and you're actually in these places. Yeah, the money spent on this show is awesome CGI. Yeah, it's like the best CGI I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a billion dollars for this yeah. season, Point or maybe yeah, the two seasons. Yeah, yeah, and and let's compare this. Let's compare the CGI to this compared to She-Hulk. Yeah. It shows. Yeah, this show looks yeah. amazing. It doesn't yeah. look at all like, oh, like, I can't believe I'm watching She-Hulk or The Hobbit. The Hobbit was supposed to look kind of cartoony because it's like a children's book. But yeah. um, and this show looks amazing. But I was, I was trying. I was talking to Emily about this, and I was telling her that was kind of the redeeming quality of the show. And she goes, "Why would you watch a TV show just because it looks good?" If nothing else about it is interesting or cool at all, you wouldn't. I'm, I'm going to turn on Planet Earth if I want to watch something that looks cool. I'm going to watch, um, or or Terrence Malick. Even like uh, Hidden Life was amazing because you're there. Uh, if they could have gone to Middle Earth, now sadly, uh, that world is no longer because of the fall of Numenor, as we all know, no longer accessible to us. But um, <laughs> <laughs> heard of it? Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's not quite the the Maliki like holy cow! I can't believe what I'm seeing. It is okay. beautiful, okay. Um, but it's not like I just want to. Okay, no, I, I, and I'm and I wasn't trying to like. I, I let me. I'll, I mean, I'll just be honest here. I think with this, and this is kind of like how I get whenever I get too annoyed with people who are like, I don't like this because I, I don't like when people say that they don't like a thing before they see it. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you know? I think there's plenty of like I had no interest in seeing Top Gun. At all, still haven't, but I, I'm dying to, and I've heard it's just absolutely got, in, seeing it in the theater is is yeah. worth it, and, and that's and that's that's what I'm gonna try to do. But it, uh, I, I just haven't, I just haven't had a chance to. It'll and blow I, your pants off. It's an unbelievable film. Uh, I can only hope. I um, I really want, like, I'm kind of on the side of of um, I don't think anyone has to do anything in one particular way. Now, I think there are better ways to do things, but I think there are ways to improve upon a, a, a previous story. Or there, are, like, I'm not upset that they didn't have Tom Bombadil in the first, uh, the first three movies because I'm like, there's just no way. This just, I, I totally. Now, if it was a TV show, that would be um, something different. I think it would have been interesting to have the uh, Taming of the Shire or, or oh, whatever yeah. at the end of the Return of the King. I, I do think it's a very interesting point, but you know, again, whatever. Um, what is his name? Sharky. Yeah, Saruman. Yeah, Sharky, they call him. Sharky. How stupid is that name? That's a stupid name. Can we say that? Can we say that's the biggest failure of the Lord of the Rings trilogy is Sharky? I will never admit to failure. (laughs) But yes. (laughs) But also, but in a more reasonable way. And I I think with me, though, I'm, um, I'm still holding off, like, how much of it that you didn't like going do you think if you go back to it is there a chance you might enjoy it more these first two episodes are uh potentially yeah. yep. better three yep. so yep. no i might i might rewatch it i i guess what i'm i'm trying to think of ways i could pitch to people who aren't lord of the rings fans that you might want to watch this show yeah. like yeah. what what reason would i have besides that i love the lord of the rings and i do love the universe i love this the, yeah. the time that it's set is fascinating to me. Like the, yeah, this is set in the second age. I think you asked me earlier, where is this? Yeah. So it's like 3000 years before the the movies that we've seen in the, in the, yeah, in the trilogy. Um, 
it's before that rise of Sauron that you see in the prologue, uh, before he gets his ring cut off. So this is the creation of that ring and all the other, uh, the three elven rings, all those things. Um, that's this, this time period. It's been compressed from the, from the books into, I don't know how many years they're going to do it in, but it's all in the same time period. And I get that for a movie's sake. And I, I love, it's so fascinating to me. That's part of the reason I love these books in this world is that, mm-hmm. uh, that yeah. world building and like the timelines. I was one of those guys who read timelines and I was like, Oh my gosh, wow. What? And this happened five years later. Holy cow. But yeah. I had a lot of friends growing up too. Um, but <laughs> I'm sure you did. <laughs> no, I can't, I, I'll rewatch it, Luke. I really do want to be optimistic about it and maybe yeah, maybe no. on rewatch i'm realizing that these no these characters are a little more nuanced than i thought um that's what it would take though is is for some of these characters to turn around and become interesting and yeah. and i would yeah. have to buy into those because i was reflecting on why you know lord of the rings was such a success and the world building is there and the languages are perfect and the names are amazing and the timeline is like oh my gosh how did this all come together but you at the end of the day you love Brodo. And you love Aragorn, and you really want Sam to marry uh, you know, Goldilocks. Uh, you get back to the Shire. Rosy Cotton. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Rosy. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, you you yeah. want him to throw away the ring, but that's that's like secondary to like you just want Them. him to to be well. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think of the the best way to put that point is I remember feeling sad and mad when because you love the characters and you love their story when they would because you know they would spend like 20 minutes on aragorn and then it would shift and now you know the the gimli and uh, uh the elf guy why why am i blanking on legolas legolas oh my gosh i can't believe i could, could remember his name but they would when they would go between their stories i was like no 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 go back to them and then you would do 20 minutes on sam and frodo and then it would shift back to the other story and you're like no 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 go back go back like i yeah. love that and that's where i realized when you were talking uh one just how good looking you are but two how the store like the characters i cared about the characters so i just rewatched um the second episode adrift today uh literally 10 minutes before we started recording and i'm watching it and i can't remember people's names i remember their faces because right before i went downstairs and watched it i went on amazon and i read through their little um landing page for the for the rings of power so it's like click here elves here's the five major elf characters humans here's the major human characters you know and i went through and i read all their bios and just kind of whatever but that's the only reason why they stick out like i know there's a harfoot hobbit girl um i know you know there's this giant man that she found in the flames and all of this stuff and so i'm trying to like put it together but it if you like here's the problem watching it a second time to get those details is a problem in the storytelling right like i saw the 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 two towers a second time because i was obsessed with the story like i thought it was so well done in terms of getting me to love the characters right that i was like i want to watch this again just for the joy of being with a second group of friends to see it for their first time you know but this it was like no i need to remember who's who and that reminded me of the sec- of episode seven of Star Wars, where I couldn't remember any of the characters' names, you know, uh, from the you know the one that uh, what's his name, um, 
uh, Mr. Subversive, uh, Subversive Expectations. J.J. Abrams? Guy. No, no, no. The second, no, the guy that did the the second one, Rain Ryan Johnson. Wilson. Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson. Yeah. Rain Wilson. Yeah. Dwight. <laughs> yes, <Drew> Dwight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that I'd son of a gun. Right, but I couldn't remember any of the side characters, any of the characters' names, except for the main ones that you followed from episode uh, six. And then I was just like, uh, "Okay, whatever." Yeah, that's a major failure. And you know what? It's just another win for Tolkien because his yeah. characters that he wrote fully, that he spent time on in, in Lord of the Rings, uh, they're awesome, and you love those characters. And the characters from the Silmarillion that he spent a lot of time on. Um, you love those characters, Mike, you read, you read that book. You, you fall in love with like, uh, Luthien and, uh, actually Galadriel's brother, Finrod, who, who, uh, is his death is a major catalyst in this series. He's a total badass in, in, uh, in the Silmarillion because you spend a lot of time with him and Tolkien wrote, you know, fleshed him out. But what they have access to with this series is appendixes. And not not stuff that not stories that have really been fleshed out, really just like timelines and the gist of like this happens, then this happens and then this happens. Mm -hmm. So if you're familiar with the story, you can kind of guess what the big the season finale points will be if they have three, four five seasons of this. You're like, okay, they're going to do this and then this is going to happen. And then at the end, that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, But that's all you have. You don't have like Galadriel is shipwrecked and. Um, you know, is rescued and then goes to Numenor. That's not in the text. And I'm fine that they're inventing it. That's what you have to do for a TV show. If, but my, if they had, if it was done with more skill, I would care that, oh my gosh, Galadriel got shipwrecked. Holy cow. This is, I, ho- I wonder what's going to happen. You know, you kind of know she's going to live because she's a main character, but well, what are her interactions going to be like? Oh, she's going to have the same exact attitude she just had with Elrond. She's going to say the same things she was just saying to Elrond. Um, so it's not done with a skill because it's not done by a master like Tolkien. It's done by maybe really talented screenwriters, but not the magic that Tolkien would put into characters. Yeah. And, and it, yeah. I think that really shows. So it, it sounds like you're pretty negative on it right now, as in like where it's going to go. Yeah. I, yeah. Maybe that, maybe I will give it another benefit of the doubt. And again, I'm young. Hurt me again, Amazon. Uh Maybe they had to set the stage with these first two episodes, which was essentially one long pilot episode. They they released yeah. it on the same day, and it was Mike a lot of you know scene setting. Yeah. So maybe the third episode, it's it, all right. They got the you get it. Galadriel wants to find Sora. Now let's flesh this character out. Let's find out more about her. Maybe that's going to happen. So yeah, am I going to be watching on Thursday night with some butt heavies? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the fact that you call them butt heavies makes me so. Happy. Thank you, <laughs> thank you. That yeah, was a I, rare gift. I mean, I think I'm definitely going to watch it. I just, um, I, I feel like almost a lot of like just and we don't have to get too deep into this because I feel like there's been a lot that has been said about this already. I'm not going to be saying anything new. I think a lot of the the at least some of the talk I saw about it beforehand, people like didn't want it to be good. Yeah, I hate that. You know, like I like I've, I like. Like I, I thought there's this thing where like non Christians sometimes think art. Sorry, people who are Christians and who deeply love certain things that have a Christian voice, particularly things like Tolkien, assume non Christians just can't do it or don't or don't understand it. And I think there is some uh, like some validity to that. I don't know if it's necessarily like non 
Christians as much as it is current, um, for lack of a better term, Hollywood storytelling. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I fully agree with that because I think Harry Potter is somewhat of a counter, like I think I can point to Harry Potter, like, well, this is kind of saying the, it's, it's there. It's, it's perhaps isn't as deep as, as it is in the, as, as it is in the books, but it's there. But like, I don't know. I, I just, I feel like there's this sort of, um, don't we want them to like, what do we want it to be good? What do we want them to do? Like, what do we be hoping it'd be well, as opposed to like being, being pessimistic. Like I have no problem with like you saying, nay, like I just, it's just not there yet for me. And I think that's, that's totally fine, obviously. But I just feel like so much of it was like beforehand, it was just like immediately yeah. like, this is going to suck. This is well, like, awful. I, but I think that's part of Amazon's branding of it. Like, I mean, do you remember the trailers for it? It's all men telling Galadriel to hang it up. Your war is over. Go yeah, away. Like, and she's cares? like, I, no, like, no, no, no. But that's, but, like, but right, right, right. But it's a trailer that is meant to evoke like, like the future is female and all the fandoms. Like yeah, there is a significant Venn diagram overlap between star Wars and Lord of the Rings in terms of fandoms, in terms of fanatical fandoms, right? People whose lives were changed by these stories. Right. Yeah. yeah and so yeah. when they see people treat the things they love with as nothing other than a vehicle for modern politics, a politics that they may or may not or often don't agree with, that's where you get like, and it happened over and over and over again, right? Where you have a Mary Sue, right? So standard standard criticism of modern Hollywood. All the women are perfect. All the men are obstacles, bumbling idiots or villains in the way of the woman being even more perfect, right? So the women, they don't have a... Um, uh, what do you call it? A hero's journey. Everything comes to them easily, and there's no true suffering, even though it might be emotional or whatever. There's no true suffering. There's no character flaw that they have to overcome. It's you know, and so you look at that and you see that's poor writing because those people don't exist. There's a reason why the hero's journey is so appealing, and why Luke, you know, the scrappy young guy, impulsive, ditches his training with Yoda to go save his friends. He's got all the right impulses, but. He's going to be an F up and he's going to cause it, you know, all this stuff, right. That, um, that the kind of the ideology, the message of today is, you know, everyone's got to be gay. Everyone's got all the women have got to be perfect. And in the trailers, they were all for the most part cut that way. And in the branding for it, it was cut that way. But the show, I don't feel like is that way. Like it's not on in the nose kind of thing. You know, like hearing, uh, watching Miss uh, Captain Marvel with um, just a girl playing as she's beating the crap out of dudes. Yeah, but that's, right? I guess, I, I don't know, this is where, like, my cranky old man part comes comes in, I think, because, like, the I'm just a girl part in, in like, Captain Marvel, everyone's, if you were, like, I'm watching it, everyone saw it coming from I'm a mile yeah. away. As soon as, like, a person with blonde hair who was that attractive had a Nine Inch Nails t-shirt on i was like well this is gonna they're gonna have an i'm just a girl pardon here no one who that good looking was wearing a nine inch nail shirt in 1995 i'm just gonna be real honest here uh who wasn't like with black hair and just very angry um and i i guess there's part of me that that's that is it's just kind of like can we all just be mature enough to just wait no (laughs) like 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 why why, why, like they're just trying it's just marketing like and like who like and there's the problem is like okay fine like as, especially the part where it's like let me take a thing that like you love that you know is about is about you know, a certain thing and let me try to market that 
in a way to say that it is this one thing when you know it's not that. That I that I get. I don't I don't have a problem with that. I, I think I just get annoyed with. Oh yeah, I don't watch I do any of the trailers because I, do I don't care. <laughs> like 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 I care way more about like what it is. Like I, I used to love trailers and I just don't anymore because uh, they mean nothing. They Same mean they, nothing. they don't ever. What was this? Uh, was it the Suicide Squad trailer? That was un- like an unbelievable trailer, and then the movie turned out to be ho- horrible. Yeah, you could do anything pretty. with the trailers. Is my point. I, I I loved the Super Bowl trailer that they had a year ago. Uh, was a little was a little worrisome for me, but then I, I did love the the rest of them. But they got me excited because I wanted the show to be good. And Luke, I, I love your point. Like that's such an awful way to live. Just like if if someone that doesn't happen to share your exact worldview is creating something. Why would you want that to be bad? I mean, if if yeah. you guys are the fancy uh, Steubenville folk, if something is truly good, you know, capital G or whatever, should it will be uh, you know redemptive and wholesome and good for for everybody. You know, it won't. If something was good for made even by made by an atheist, then it will eventually lead to you know higher things. So even yeah, Amazon, hundred percent, even Amazon could accidentally create something that is redemptive if they if they make something good. Um, and I, I hope that the rest of the show is good. I, I hope that Galadriel, and I think there's tons of room for all these characters that we've seen. Maybe what we've seen is just the starting point because a lot of them, they obviously could learn some things. They could, they could change. They could have a hero's journey. It's not for Galadriel. It's not going to be like, she's obviously like the most powerful character on the TV show. So she's not going to be Luke Skywalker on, on Tatooine. But she could have like some other kind of redemptive struggle. The Harfoots could could learn something. You know, the elf the the elf down in the Southlands. Maybe he. I don't know. That actually, he's he's probably he might, that whole thing might be beyond redemption. It was so like that was when we talked about the barbershop. We were really getting into what what kind of cuts he was having. It's like oh my gosh, that that whole thing was not capturing me at all. But I I want to hope that the rest of the thing is good. I think it's a waste of life and a waste of time to just hope that anything that's not Christian is. You know, no. it's not going to be worth my time. I think your earlier point, Luke, is interesting because there is a, a, a huge amount of skepticism that people have when it comes to, hey, here's this Christian or Catholic thing that came out of our our way of life that now a secular person is going to make a movie, right? And there is a skepticism. There is a, like, even to the point of want, people wanting it to fail, uh, which is unfortunate because, like you said, like, if it's true it should resonate with us, right? So the the thing that sucks is when they talk about J.R.R. Tolkien, they make a biopic about J.R.R. Tolkien, and they never once mention his Catholic faith, which being an Englishman of Catholic faith was a very difficult thing to do, especially in the Academy, right? Or even and, when they do mention it, they he he has a fight with a priest in that movie. And what, yeah. what is it? I remember the quote. He says to a priest, what would a priest know of love? And that's something Tolkien... That's never, ridiculous. I, yes, I, that's, yeah, that was ridiculous. Yeah. Right. And so you sit there and you're like, could, you do not understand. Now, the one line that stood out to me more than anything else, right? So you know that in The Lord of the Rings, the elves don't like the dwarves. No one likes the men, you know, blah, blah, blah. But there's this one line where Elrond, who is the guy that bridges the gap between all the races, he's taking the guy that fashions the rings of power to the dwarves. And as they're going to... Um, as they're going there he said uh I, i'm actually shocked that as an elf you know like you you want to meet the dwarves and he says this line that i thought was very beautiful he said 
uh, I'm always, I, I'm going to butcher it, but I'm, I'm just paraphrasing. He said, basically, I'm always happy to be with people who can see the mystery in common things, who can see um, uh, the true beauty that lies beyond or something like that. And I thought like that, that is an element of the sacramental, right? Like you can look into nature and see super nature. You can look into reality and see meaning, not just power and not just mecha. And it's kind of funny, but like all of these movies, like Game of Thrones, and this is where I want to contrast it hot D with this, is that Game of Thrones is a cynical Nietzschean hellscape of games of power. <laughs> you right? can tell that we're so bitter. Right. It is, but that's what it is. It's a hellscape yeah. of games of of it's all about power. Who controls who, who controls what, and how can you get in front and how can you dominate and all this stuff. Like so the problem that I see with Game of Thrones is that it's it's eminently cynical and it will always be bounded by terms of power. But then when you look at the Lord of the Rings, fundamentally, and this is why I'm giving it a second chance, and you know, I I will watch it absolutely till the end, is because it's not just about power. The bad guy is just about power. When the good guys go bad, it's because of their lust for power. Right? Don't you remember that first that beautiful line? Um, in the very yeah. first Lord of the Rings, and then nine rings were given to the lords of men who above all desire power. And I think like that's the virtuous juxtaposition. That's the thing that comes across that you're like, this like Tolkien's universe is a different universe than the Game of Thrones one. Yeah, Game of Thrones is is Lord of the Rings if God never doesn't exist. That's the whole that's the whole series. It's like the same time frame, same power, same everything. But yeah, I think that was what was so refreshing this recent reread. One of the many things that was refreshing about it. It was like taking a cold bath and and uh the the bad guys were bad. The good guys were good. The good guys were afraid. They were, but they weren't cowardly. They would they would fail, but they'd try again. But you never had to wonder about the good guys and whether or not that like reflects you and me the reality. Like we have we have a little bit of bad in us, uh, but we're trying to be good. Um, I thought that reading reading it and watching those movies is so refreshing and it's so it much is. so good for. So it was so good for me to read after reading a ton of like modern fiction or watching all these movies with like cutthroat betrayals and everything like that and being a fan of Game of Thrones. Um, and and it, and it just how dirty and nasty. And, and But, you know, on the flip side, and this is why I'm, I'm maybe bad at podcasting because I always talk, say, you know, both things. Game of Thrones has awesome characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That's they why it characters. endures. That's why it endures. Yeah. Yes. The first episode of Hot D has this character, the prince, the the other character. Uh, yeah, he's the the main prince, the bad kind of the probably going to be the bad guy on the show. Amazing! I was like, yeah, give me more of that dude. And even the the princess, she was awesome. She had amazing conversations. All of these characters were intriguing in some way because I didn't I didn't felt like I didn't quite know everything about them. I I, I couldn't guess what they were going to say next. That's what this Rings of Power show is missing. I feel like I can guess what they're going to say say next. Um, that's actually a really interesting point because one of the things about Game of Thrones that's so um, fascinating is you fall in love with Jamie Lannister. You know, that he becomes yeah. one of your favorite characters on the show after, like, I remember one point in time, li- li- literally just, I just assumed Ned Stark was just going to kill him. I was like, man, I can't wait for this guy to die. 
Like, I, it'll be so sweet when I see him die. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I was like, now, then all of a sudden, you're like, his name is Jamie. His name <laughs> is Jamie. You know? And, and like, we talked about this a little bit last week about how what's annoying where some people say I heard this one podcast where they talked about how they don't like they're tired of shows that are all good and all bad. They want things that are in the gray. And I'm like, I don't know if I agree with that because I want there is all good and there is all bad. These are real things. And we can be both of those. We can be all bad and we can be all good. But we're not always like gray where it's like, I'm kind of bad. I'm kind of good. Who knows? Like sometimes we're really bad and sometimes we're really, really good. And it's a matter of like, what are we striving to be typically at? will dictate where like we end up mm-hmm. and I, or like, and then how, and like how we, how well we do that. will will that will dictate like where we end up. And I want there to be like, like in game of Thrones, some of the people who were good, who did bad stuff were trying to be good or James, is a conflicted guy yeah. who's a lot of crap, but he's actually trying to be good in what he views to be good. In, and it's, really difficult for him to have to have to navigate that on his own. And I think you're right in the sense that they have really good characters. But I think what concerns me about hot D is that like, if, is it just going to become all about the gray? Because to me that ends up being kind of boring. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's this notion like Jamie Lannister was the best character to zero in on, on the man who is inspired by nobility. Right. And he wasn't an, who himself is an ignoble man, right? He's having sex with his sister. He's fathered several children with her that he does not view as himself as a father, right? Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Episode one. Uh, so he he's a bad person in every metric of bad, except he's a badass warrior right? He's a badass warrior. He's charming. So he has all the, the natural things, the careerist things kind of going for him. But here's the problem, right? This is the fascinating thing is enter the ugly woman, right? Jamie Lannister is a handsome man. Enter the ugly woman. Enter the woman who is tall and strong like a man who is all the things and she's rejected by the world of knights. But all she wants to be is a noble knight, right? Um, what's her name? Bryn of Tarth, right? Like all she wants to be is a noble knight. And because of her tremendous suffering of being a tall, monstrous, ugly, you know, obviously the woman in the show is not ugly, but in, uh, in the, in the book, she's like just hideous looking. And here she is. Whose outward appearance is ugly. Whose inward disposition is good, is beautiful. And it's true. And then you look at Jamie Lannister who should be the person that she actually is and he constantly being thrown together with her goes from hating her to loving her to then transforming himself that's why the books like or that's why the the show sucked is because when he goes back to cersei it throws out his like i don't mind the gray we are gray but there's there's no the problem is there's no pull to the light right so often and that's the problem with the gray that I see it is it's not just like, yeah, sometimes good people do bad things and sometimes bad people do good things. It's the thing of there being like, well, there is no thing good or bad. It's just power. That's what I hate. And that's what I'm getting sick and tired of. And that's where I feel like Lord of the Rings, because it is about virtue, the whole damn thing is about virtue and how sin can corrupt you, the lust for power, whatever it is. It, it really is a Christian story. 
And Game of Thrones really is, I think at its core, I think the certain Christian elements might break in or what I would call true elements break in, the true, the good, the beautiful. But there are things that like our cynical self, we just override and we're like, nope, no, no room for character development. Uh, this Dondarian guy, like, right, the, the Brotherhood Without Banners, they could have been everything awesome, but then they kind of become killers too. And we defend the poor folk of the land because no one defends them. But then they're also kind of awful, right? And they're complicit in a lot of awfulness. And just when you think they're the heroes, like there's nothing good in them. They just become the red, what is the the red god or whatever, the fire god, whatever his name is. And they just kind of acquiesce to that. And you're like, "Ah, okay, all right, everyone's evil. Yeah, and that was, again, what was so refreshing about the reread. It's, been, it's what's been refreshing about rereading some of C.S. Lewis's stuff, uh, Space Trilogy. Uh, I I need that. I, I was like washed clean by that. And um, <laughs> good, good way to put it. <laughs> yeah, it, it was just so. And and that's ultimately what I think will be the uh, saving grace of the show is that they really can't. I, I can't imagine them. Well, I can imagine them doing this, but making these characters like Galadriel and Elrond having, you know, fighting this fight through like nefarious means yeah. they're not going to stab Gilgalad or the king in the back they're they're not going to um you know elrond's not going to have an affair with his sibling or something like that that's that's <laughs> that would be insane i know uh, they call me half elven but i'm actually <laughs> fully man if you know what i mean so so that they they're going to win through means of good they're, they're fighting the uh, they're fighting a uh they're locked in this losing battle with evil uh, that they're going to win and win and win, but their evil is going to keep getting stronger. And the only way they can win is through, you know, interventions of, of elves and, um, you know, the Valar and things like that. But they're not going to do it through the means of like the Jamie Lannisters, how he wins and how the yeah. characters in Game of Thrones, how they end up winning. Do you think part of this, one of the challenges of this is just the medium of television itself? That is just, yeah. is this a story that's just hard to tell on the TV? The it's, way that it's people hard to might tell on a screen. It. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think what the last, like, wholesome TV show I watched was. Mad Men. <laughs> like, is The Chosen the only good thing on television? What else is good? That's a, you know what's funny? That's actually a really good question. I, hmm. I can tell you a lot of YouTube channels that are great. No DIY wife. No. Yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> so good. I, you know, I, I'm not watching a lot of TV right now, so I don't. I'm, I'm reading books. I'm listening to podcasts, and I'm listening to audiobooks and paying attention to sports. So that's all I'm doing right now. I'm gonna move the microphone so I don't feel like I'm trying to stare and talk. Um, what's good right now for television? She Hulk is not great, not terrible. I don't think it's terrible. There are certain things I like about it. Um, you I'm like that she just, breaks the fourth wall? Yeah, I, like I wish they. Yeah. I don't. Know, I kind of. There's a lot of, I haven't to think about that show. I just think what's fun about the show is really when she's not being She-Hulk, and I don't know if that's even because the animation is so bad. I think it's just because <laughs> I, I like the breaking of the fourth wall. I like the character. I I, mean, I like like Ally McBeal those type of things. So I wish they would just be like just be me, be even more Ally McBeal. Yeah. Be more Ally McBeal than than MCU as opposed to like an MCU version of Ally McBeal. Yeah, but anyways, uh, they don't care about uh, they don't care about what I think unless they do. I am for hire. So, um, what do I? I don't really know. Gomer, are you watching anything? 
NASCAR. Doesn't count. Dang it. Uh, my son watches the English Premier League. Count. That's just good versus evil right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just watch YouTube. I don't know. I don't know what TV shows are on. I'm trying to think Apple. Now, I like the foundation from Apple because oh, yeah. I hadn't because I hadn't read the books. And then when a friend of ours gave Shannon's like, you know, I'm really liking the foundation. She's like, oh, I got the trilogy here. Let me give it to you and blah, blah, blah. And she started, my wife started reading it. She's like, oh, man, they changed a lot. Okay. Now I understand why she would not like watching the show. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of, of shows that I watch. I don't, I don't, yeah. I'm just trying to brainstorm shows that are going to make me feel the same way that the Lord of the Rings or the space trilogy or, uh, you know, something by Graham Greene or something that, that that's going to make me feel like, I, like I'm taking a nice bath. Like I feel good after watching rather than something like, I don't know. The bear was something I watched recently. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's a Hulu show about a, sh- a Chicago sh- um, restaurant. It It's amazing. It, it's an amazing TV show and um, makes me want to get into, uh, you know, slow roast sandwiches and uh, things like that. But uh, <laughs> it's not wholesome. None of the shows I've watched besides Ted Lasso have been wholesome uh, over the last couple of years. And, yeah. and the chosen, I guess. I just, you know, I, I, I feel like television for me is going through the same thing that the MCU is going through in my own heart, which is we had a great run. That was so good. <laughs> yeah. Maybe let's take some space. Yeah. yeah, you know, like maybe there's just nothing. I I don't have the emotional energy for it right now. I couldn't tell you what's actually happening in the MCU. I mean, I know it's I know it's a multiverse. I'm excited for the multiverse. I want to see X Men, um, but I'm just kind of like ah, yeah. Like I don't know. I I just feel like it's become for me a little bit too much, and I often like. Part of me thinks that's just why I haven't watched Lord of the Rings yet. Or mm-hmm. the ring of pages. I'm like, yeah. Now, Luke, you you were probably the most fanatical in love with the movies because you're the first one of all of my friends that had the extended editions and not only watched them but watched them with the commentary. Mm-hmm. Multiple. That's how I. That's how I covered from no less than two breakups. <laughs> uh, was to watch all of them and then you watch them with the commentary and then you watch the special thing and then maybe you do it again. Well, <laughs> um, eating ice cream. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I really liked that. I really, I thought they were great. I mean, they're not perfect by yeah. any, any means necessary. I think parts of Return of the King really drag. I think uh, the battle scenes in the Two Towers is great. I, I, uh, but I, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, I remember when I remember Chris Hardwick when Star Wars got bought, talking about like, don't, don't you want more stuff? Aren't you excited that you're going to have more stuff? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. No, I don't think I am. No. Like I think overindulgence is actually a thing, yeah. And uh, I think we've overindulged. I think I think I, I mean in a weird way. I think it's kind of gluttonous. Yeah, and that's what I think Hollywood can't stop, or the corporate version, the corporate entertainment machine can't say, "Oh, we've oversaturated the market. We should pull back," or "This thing is perfect just as it is. We shouldn't make a follow up." Like there, if 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 the Matrix was that popular, there has to be a two and three, and then a revolution, right? Like, see, but I don't think it's necessarily the corporate machine of. Well, I mean, I guess it is. I think 
Uh, my rebuttal to you is Lion King one and a half. No, but I'm like, I mean, like, <laughs> when was two and three. like when was Hollywood not run as a corporate machine? Yeah, no, no, I no, mean, no, no. It's been that way since the dawn of its existence. It was true, true, true. But what I mean by that is the corporate mentality taking over the IP, like, like See, the IP. I, thing. I think here's here's where I would push back mm. against that. That's always that's always been there. I think now they're just like, is it? I think what's actually, I don't think that has changed. What's changed is the medium. Mm. So I think, like, the reason why we got, like, eight on Matrix uh, films was because of this little thing called The Empire Strikes Back or uh, Jaws 2 or Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Sorry, and The um, Temple of Doom. Like, they, there were these sequels that happened. All of a sudden, they started becoming huge moneymakers, which they yeah, traditionally yeah. were not. And so right. you started getting them. And if you remember, like, it takes four or five years for the most part, not so much anymore. Now it's probably, like, two to have a movie be be made from the very beginning till the time that it's the time that it comes out so they were relatively slow to change when you compare it to tv where you can churn things out like that and so now that the medium has changed first to streaming then to basically tv i don't think it's the corporation listen i'm not saying that they are like i'm faultless i'm saying the medium is the message Mm-hmm. And it is the medium of its TVs going to television that is actually ruining all of this. Yeah, you mean movies going point. to television. But isn't that what also makes it awesome? Right? Like me and you have but said, like when Mad, was it Man, a... Mad, sorry, Man, oh, sorry, Mad Men couldn't be a great movie. No, it's yes, an agreed, amazing agreed. show. Yes. Breaking Bad couldn't be a good movie. Uh, but it turns out that what we imagined Obi Wan was up to during that. 30 years is actually better than what they decided he was up to, you know? Yeah. It, it, these things might have been better if, if they had never dove in and, and, and yeah. you know, definitively said, here's the story. And then that, yeah. that, that's there yeah. forever. A 40-year-old girl outraces everyone that tries to capture her. She, <laughs> apparently, four-year-olds can sprint faster <laughs> than grown adults. Particularly when one of those adults are is flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. No, when he came on the show, I go, "That's flea," and my kids are like, "What's that?" And I was like, "Oh, kids, we're gonna go under a bridge. I've got some concerts to show you." Yeah. Do you like that sound? Yes, you're gonna love this. No, but Nate, I think you bring up a really good point because you know there are parts of that show that are of. Kenobi, particularly, okay. Let's take away everything else besides the prequels. There are parts of Kenobi that I loved, particularly the very end between him and Darth uh, Darth Vader. I thought that was wonderful. Now, the problem is I have to suspend my disbelief of a new hope, which is what it's all based on. Yeah, and so, but I love the, the idea of like of of like Darth Vader telling Kenobi, no, I killed Anakin Skywalker. Like, I think that's actually kind of interesting. Like, and that, I think that whole in a vacuum, in a very specific um, vacuum, I think that part is interesting. What I have a problem with is a lot of the other things. <laughs> well, I had that. such a problem with it after two episodes that I never finished it. So I never that's, got to that. Same oh, part. I'm sorry. Oh, but it's same here for you. Sorry. No, you no, didn't spoil okay. it. I'm, I'm the exact same yeah, yeah. Because I mean, honestly, God, if if you can, I would recommend that you just watch that part. Is it the last, episode? the last episode? Yeah, because it's it's really like it just okay. Like they're fighting now, and like Obi Wan's got his confidence. There you go. That's all you need to know. 
<laughs> like, it's there you go. He's feeling better about himself, so now he's willing yeah. to confront him. And well, it's kind with of, all these shows, I've had a bad habit of either watching the first episode or just saying, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna Wikipedia what happened in Loki and just scroll through that and just, you know, okay, now I'm caught up. So next time Spider Man comes out, I'll, I'll kind of feel where the multiverse is. See, I, so I feel with all like, this stuff. I'm just, I feel yeah, like I'm yeah. just catching up, like doing homework. Yeah. Well, and and like this is kind of the weird part of it though too is that with Loki, I feel like that probably would have been a good four episode. TV show. That's what okay. That's what I like, wanted to say. There to are the. Mm-hmm. I wish we would be more like the BBC approach, like the the British approach to this stuff, where it's like, no, this story is told in three episodes, like the Sherlock Holmes shows uh, with with uh, Cumberbund. Like to just have three episodes that are the first episode's an hour and a half, second episode's what like an hour and fifteen, third episode's mm-hmm. like almost two hours, and then you're done. You've told the story. Like stop. Like Amazon as a streaming platform, Netflix, HBO Max, even a, uh, Apple TV. They need to just say, "Listen to us." T- <laughs> yeah, listen to us. We know that's why we're movie execs. Uh, the idea is okay. Now you've broken from the two-hour, two and a half, maybe three-hour time limit of being in a movie theater. Okay, there's a time limit without an intermission. There's a time limit. Okay, got that. Don't then say we have to do what we did on television shows in the 90s for sitcoms. Well, you need 21 shows to fill out a season. Just say, don't say eight episodes. Say the first one's three episodes. The second one's eight episodes. The third one's six episodes because that's what the story takes. That's what, in my idealistic world, that's what I want to see. I want to see people who are like, yeah, no, we could tell this this awesome you know episode uh, we could tell what's his name, uh, Obi Wan Kenobi's story in four episodes. But then when you stretch it out to eight, like The Mandalorian, I enjoyed the idea of The Mandalorian and the world building, kind of with their armor and all that stuff. I absolutely hated the show. I hated it because it was Mandalorian. It See, was like I, every totally I know, and I know a lot of people totally don't totally disagree. disagree with me, but there were so many episodes that felt like bullshit side quests yes that's the whole point where, of it that was wonderful where, where all they did was give you like hey you watch this 60 minute show here's five minutes that make it worth it and i'm like or get rid of all the shows and just have two shows like no we can't no no but, see, like I, they I, have I, a perfect medium to do that they have streaming services they don't have to air an episode every friday at 7 p.m yep. on abc so Agreed. they have Agreed. the medium and clearly the, they make more money by making more episodes, right? So the money is dictating all of this. So that the that's, medium that's like is the, the message. And, that, and that, right. sorry, Nate, I don't mean to, to cut, cut you off. Sorry, no, 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 go ahead, please. You are you are our guest. Be our guest. I think that was the end of my point. Honestly, Luke, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> he already picked up his glass. <laughs> Tie your napkin on your neck, shattery, and we provide the rest. Soup de soup de Uh Sorry. Um, yeah, I. I I think, look at me, I tried to, like, take this out of my hands. So I wasn't always holding on to it, and now I'm just holding on to the stand. <laughs> such a loser. That's better, because then I don't hear the hand, sweaty hand on the microphone thing. You can hear the sweat? I can hear it. Uh, <laughs> oh. I, I, wait, how's it go? I, oh, I remember everything. Um, no, I, uh, shit, what, what are we talking about? Uh, oh. penises oh no. <laughs> that's right no i i think that um <laughs> there is this like the there's always corporate interest in entertainment mm-hmm. since the beginning of entertainment that's always been there the tension between 
the financer and the creative individuals. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Disney Empire is built upon that tension, and I think the problem is with television and with streaming and television now becoming the the the, the you know um, de facto way that we now consume our our entertainment. There's this. I don't know if we're in a growing pain stage where it's like, oh, crap. Like, okay, I, I want like eight episodes of, of this stat. I want 10 of that, eight of that, five of that, go. And they're like, well, actually, all we have for this really, especially because it's IP, because it's IP that has existed for half century, this is more of a movie or this is better for, you know, it, it's, it's like, are they just trying to figure this stuff out or is this just the way it's going to be? And if it's the way it's going to be, I, I think I'm probably going to lose interest pretty fast. And I think, and why I think, why I think it's important is right, these are the stories that like shape our culture, and that these are the things that we stories matter, and they matter for your culture, they matter for your life, they matter for your values, they matter to change your mind about the things. Stories are important, so I think this is actually worth talking about. And if it's better to just I'm walk away, I'm actually at a point where I'm kind of okay with that now. I would just yeah. be much happier. Like to me, it drives me absolutely insane when people say that the Godfather is a slow movie. Yes. Yeah. I want to choke people I, like that. Yes. It just, I just want to lose my mind. Cause I'm like, you don't understand what's actually happening, but like, we don't have mediums that allow people to understand. Actually, it's supposed to be dark. It's supposed to be slow. It's supposed to be all of these things. And like, if you want, if you don't want that, then go watch fast and the furious, I guess. And I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I did watch an amazing YouTube video about the history of the Fast and the Furious. And I, I, Shannon, my kids, we all gathered around yonder TV and we watched it. And Shannon was like, I had no idea this show was that meaningful, complex. Like, all, it's, it's a great, I'll try to find it and put it in the, in the uh, show notes. But it was actually, it was awesome. And then the, the things that sucked is when they brought uh, Jeremy, what's his name? Jason Statham and uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson in it. No, nope, they had makes everything better. They had uh, a contractual obligation that when the two men would fight, they would each land the same number of blows, and no man <laughs> and no man would ever win because if they did, it could hurt their careers as action stars. Because the medium is the message. Right. Like, hey, this is this is part of a vehicle of our actual because you don't want like I think the thing that's destroyed Orlando Bloom's career. I mean, imagine being the badass Legolas. Everyone loved Legolas. But then did you see him in Troy, which was his next major movie? Yeah, he's he's Paris, right? He's a, like he's scrambling. Oh, no. Ah, father, help me. Hector, help me. Right. And people were like, oh, it can really ruin. It really can. A bad movie can ruin your career. So they have these contractual obligations about never losing a fight. And you're like, oh, that's why those fight scenes were so well, stupid. That's a plot point in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, if you've seen that movie. where Leonardo Luke DiCaprio, it. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he's getting to the stage of his career where he's the bad guy. And in the, in the 60s Westerns, bad guys don't win. And so at the end of every episode, he gets his ass kicked. And you know he's got to think about what that's doing to his career. Yeah, which is ultimately it feels like that's bad for like art, you know, where we have the artists who who would be the best part, best player yeah. for the role, not wanting to do the role because he's thinking about his next role, you know, and and when when all these money things uh, get into, I don't know, I'm not suggesting a way to, to get away from like having Amazon make Lord of the Rings because they're the only ones who had the money to buy the rights, but this would have been better if 
um, some small or not better. It would have been the story would have been a little bit more interesting if they hadn't been dominated by like the um, necessities of what Amazon has to produce, something that will be uh, attractive for everyone. If some small Christian, or not necessarily Christian, but just fans of Tolkien, uh, art house had somehow got the rights to this story and then wrote it, wrote like it filled in the details of Galadriel jumping off a ship or um, Elrond going to meet with the doors or whatever their story would have been. It would have been, I think, a little bit more interesting. But since Amazon has to recoup their, uh, you know, their, expense, their investment, yeah, yeah, which is crazy that they will. I, I do you, how many Amazon Prime memberships does it take to make half a billion dollars? Five, does anyone have so a calculator on them? They need <laughs> I I think I read something that was like five million dollars for every one Amazon Prime subscriber, which is crazy. I don't know if that math adds up, but wow. how many people subscribe uh, to I Amazon won't check Prime? It. Mm, yeah, I won't check. Okay, can we talk about um, once upon a time in Hollywood really really quick? Sure. Love that! Movie. I love that movie. Yeah, I, I love that it. movie. I haven't. Seen oh, it. go! You need to after you're done, watch it right now. Go take up Shannon. Have like a date night. Hold her hand. Uh, watch this movie. It's wonderful. Is it's the ending a bit much? No, I mean, well, it depends what you mean by that. It's a it's a like a violent ending to it, but it's a Tarantino movie, so you have to expect that. Yeah, yeah. The I don't think he's got what's coming to him. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's really fun. It, 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 okay. It's kind of like it's part of his whole. I forget what it's called, but like he like revisionist to, history. Yeah, yeah, he's like a revisionist. Yeah. Fun. It's like so they kill many, the 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 murderers, the the Charlie yeah. Manson and it's, murderers. Anyway, I don't tell a Shannon that though because I think part of the fun is like the tension. Like you think you know what's coming. Yeah, and like in the theater, people were laughing when it was happening because like. It's funny how he played with tension in that. Yeah. Again, like you know who these people are, you know what they're about to do, you what's about to happen is one of the worst things that's ever happened in terms of like Hollywood murders. It's horrible, and instead, like they flip the whole thing. Right. And uh, I would and call it dread. It, it was like because yes, you're spending yes, all this time with yeah. Shannon Tate, who's uh, Carol yes. the actress, uh, this beautiful um, blonde actress. Margot and you're Rogue like, don't you? Yeah, yeah one of the Robbie. scenes is you just go yeah. to a movie with her, and you're just she's hanging great. out. She's kind of yeah. funny, and and the whole time you're, th- oh gosh, this character is going to be brutally murdered in like an hour and a half, and that's going to suck. And then when it doesn't happen, it's such a relief, and you, yeah, it's a, it's a great <laughs> payoff, like you're saying. Like, you know what's funny about that is me and Luke have had many conversations. We talked about this movie before. We've had many conversations about Tarantino and how I don't get him. Like I just think he's goofy as hell. I don't understand, but I'm. I, Honestly, today I was cleaning out my garage and I was listening to a Trent Horn podcast about it's, it was titled it was titled uh, Luke Fake Hates Trent Horn. Uh, I just, uh, it was called yeah. What is a MacGuffin? And on Fridays, he on his podcast, he talks about whatever that he wants. And uh, the What is a MacGuffin? He goes through the whole history of Hollywood MacGuffins and he explains objects, things, objects, events and people as MacGuffins. And he said, you know, basically, but the greatest of all the MacGuffins or one of the most on the nose of all the MacGuffins is Pulp Fiction, right? And he goes through and describes, you know, this, he's like, it wasn't anything. It was a a light in a briefcase, but this is the map. And the whole time I'm thinking of like, well, that's Tarantino's light in a briefcase, you know, but it, it was at that moment when I had a glimpse of Tarantino's genius. Oh, so that's what it took. That's Trent Horn. Oh yes, my gosh! You're turning into such a Luke. You're turning into such a boomer Catholic. You're turning into such enjoy your IRA. 
So, Trent Horn. Well, Trent Horn. You're such is a, a better Catholic co-host now. than you. You're he's a better a man Catholic than you. Now. He has a nice head of hair. How dare you? And, and like That's half a you. century, you're going to be so mad at all the young um, youth ministers who are going to want like felt uh, felt on banners in church and and have and have a guitar at mass. And they're going to be like, sorry that we like um, love the Lord. I'm millennial. That's going to be you. Mike, um, it's funny that you bring up Pulp Fiction because uh, I was thinking of that in the Lord of the Rings show when the dwarves opened that case uh, at that scene. They looked yeah. exactly like the Pulp Fiction. It absolutely briefcase. did. And it didn't show it. And my kids go, well, what's yeah. that? And I go, I think that's the jewel, the thing from the Hobbit movies. Yeah, it could be. I, have no, I think I that's have no what that was. But they didn't show it. And so the first thing I thought of was uh, Tarantino. But that is what, like, that's where I realized, like, Tarantino is like a director's director's director for people who love movies. Right. But I didn't get it, Luke. You told me this. You so are the fountain of right wisdom. Now. I'm so angry. You shouldn't be angry. You should be happy that okay. I finally see the world through your lens. Can I, and all can it I... took was Trent Horn. <laughs> <laughs> can I say two I love Trent Horn. Two I love Trent Horn. I've listened really, to every episode. Really I love him. I love Trent One, Horn so much. I feel so conflicted because Ohio State's up 21 to 10 against, against Notre Dame. I don't know what to feel. Mm. Um, two, here's what I love about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. There are like a lot of things, but I just want to talk about this film because I love this film so, so much. One, the thing about this film is great is he takes five minutes to just show what a badass, uh, what a badass like movie star Brad Pitt is. Yes, I'm just driving down on a sunset on a boulevard in a convertible, just being a cool, being a cool movie star. Then he has him on top of a roof for like two minutes, drinking a beer without like his shirt off on, sorry, without his shirt on, just being a <laughs> cool movie star. And then he has a whole thing where he's like, you know what I'm never going to be able to do? I'm never going to be able to have a film where I where I can direct Bruce Lee in a fight. Not only will I n- n- not ever have a film where I'll be able to direct um, Bruce Lee in a fight, I won't ever be able to have him fight Brad Pitt in that fight. So then what does he do? He writes a fake mean version of Bruce Lee into his film where he can fight Brad Pitt. That is the whole point of that is just for <laughs> Bruce Lee to fight Brad Pitt. Now, it tells you a little bit about Brad Pitt's I'm a character and blah, 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 blah. And actually tells you a little bit about a uh, little bit about Sharon Tate and like her um, connection to, you know, like bigger Hollywood and also a bit of behind the scenes of like, you know, like how does Hollywood work and how sometimes the stunt people don't really care for the big stars. But I honestly think the main point of that scene, which is so great, is he just wants to direct Bruce Lee in a film. He just wants to have a, a scene where Bruce Lee fights in one of his movies. And it's a great way to make it work. It fits perfectly. And when Luke, people were... Sorry, I thought the exact ahead. same thing leaving the theater. Nate, are we I was best like, friends? I, I think we might be best friends. We might be. I thought I could I could have spent 20 more minutes driving down that freeway with Brad Pitt. 100%. No dialogue. No <laughs> Nothing. story. Just, just show like, Brad let's Pitt just being cruise. Awesome. Listen to the radio. I'm pretty sure he listened to a whole song, and then the song changed, and then we were just still driving. And I was like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> oh, you guys. But the, but the, oh, yeah. And then the, the scene on the Spawn Ranch I thought was another example of oh, him building up tension. this tension yeah. because you know these guys are murderers. And, it, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I like Tarantino a lot. I know he's over the top. I know his, some of his films can be hard to watch because of the language and the, uh, the gore. So maybe they're not for everyone. But he's a great example of an artist – who makes it? He does make a ton of money, but he he doesn't he doesn't fill up his stuff with unnecessary. Well, like you just said, he puts everything in his movies that he wants to put in his movies, not for any other reason 
other than he wants him in his movies, you know, not mm-hmm. to fill up another episode on a streaming service or to get more butts yeah. into the theaters. He yep. says, I want this in the movie because I'm, you know, this is my movie and this is how I want the movie to be. And he's yeah. one of the only directors I can think of who is, who is like that. He's actually one of my favorite podcast guests on whenever he's on any podcast on the ringer. Because these are it's on that podcast. Um, no, they've got some really diehard, diehard like movie fans, and then they just bring Tarantino on as a guest for certain things. And it's just like it just his. It's, I know his whole thing is like he's he's like video store nerd gone good, but like it's actually impressive to see it in full, like of him like tapping into that, like just fully like oh my gosh, your encyclopedia like knowledge of this stuff is unreal yeah yeah one of the, one of, his memory one I, of the things say, that... Luke, I, I own a hat from that podcast company the ringer i have a ringer hat i love all their podcasts God, i listen awesome. to every single one of them with tarantino i think we're best friends we, let's I, go get I, some ice cream you like the rewatchables too yes i love the yes, rewatchables i know so good i listened to big picture the other day oh my gosh date we're gonna hang out and i'm done Mike's muting us. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, go enjoy your Trent Horn, Gomer. And- oh, man. The other day enjoy he had a doozy about Calvinists. A doozy about Calvinists. Let me tell you what. Uh, anywho, Father Karapi, you heard of this guy? He's coming up. <laughs> Wait, is he, is, is, is he back? No, he's not. No, back he's better not. than ever? No. Back about, He's subverting expectations. He's subverting expectations. <laughs> he really did. He re- talk about subverting expectations. Yeah, but I will say, like, the thing about Tarantino that I – so I went and listened to – it wasn't The Ringer, but it was all during that time that you told – Nate, your internet connection sucks. Uh, it was all around that time that we were talking about once upon a time in Hollywood that I went and started listening to some stuff, and I listened to him talk about the redemption arc, and I found it so fascinating. And that's – oh, he was on Joe Rogan. And that's when I realized, oh – Tarantino, when we say he's a genius, we mean, number one, he has consumed film craft from beginning to end. All genres, all approaches, styles, and he can understand it, not just from the inside out, but, I mean, he, yeah, I guess you could say that, from the inside out. Like, he truly has a comprehensive knowledge of these things, and he's gifted in that he can watch a movie and understand why that movie is awesome. And I honestly feel like Tarantino, went, went in that interview, the thing that I loved about what he said is it wasn't what I hear about. So there's another guy named uh, Moises that I listen to every so often, and he's like a pretentious movie snob. Like, he's a critic. And when I hear him, I hear what f- what people who don't understand it from the inside out but are parroting like the popular art house of like i only watch art house movies only watch independent cinema but that's not tarantino right like he consumes it all all and he can tell you everything about it that's good amazing interesting and one of the things he hates is a redemption arc right he hates that he said bill murray the reason why chevy chase is better than bill murray is because uh fletch never has a redemption arc but in that whatever the bill murray was uh in the army now or whatever yeah stripes he has a redemption arc and now he's pro-military at the end of the movie and he's like why why do you need that redemption arc that's stupid right so i i found i find him luke because of you and your dogged love of him uh and because of trent horn blessed be his name peace be upon him (laughs) that he uh that he uh yeah like i finally get it like he gets movies 
And so everyone who gets movies gets him. And that's my problem is uh, I'd rather just be, uh, I don't know, reading science fiction. Space Marines. Oh, Space you, Army you Rangers. hear about that too? Space Army oh. Rangers. I hear about it every day. Oh. I'm like, hey, Nate, I'm making coffee in the Keurig. And while it's right next to your office, I'm going to tell you about Rangers. Nate, there have literally been times where he's gone on about it. I'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just going to do my old ADHD, my old ADHD checkout mode. And we're good. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny, Luke, if you replace me with Nate? And I replace you with Trent Horn, and we just diverge, <laughs> we diverge podcasts. Uh, I would love to do a, a movie podcast with Luke. I we have the same taste. I love it. Yeah, it would just be like I know, I agree. Keanu Reeves is great in the Lake House. <laughs> I love that too. I watched I Lake House three times two weeks ago. Something's what wrong movie? with me. The Lake what House. Movie? What is that? No, uh, it's it's a wonderful room. It's not wonderful. It's. I just really like it. I don't know why. The Lake House, <laughs> me and Brian Kissinger got real into it. It's a romantic comedy with him and Sandra Bullock where they both own the same lake house and they start to communicate through a magic uh, mailbox and they fall in love. And I just <laughs> adore it. And none of it, you, you, you like the logic doesn't make sense. So you just have to let it, that part go and just enjoy Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock being freaking great actors and just being movie <laughs> stars. And, like, I think Alexander Bullock is adorable. I think Connor Reeves is great. I just love that movie. And I don't care what anyone else says. <laughs> I think it's wonderful. No one else is saying anything about the Lake House <laughs> anymore. Well, they did back in 2009. <laughs> Someone had the flu recently. <laughs> well, I watched the Lake House three times. Like, literally, when I think of um, the Disney Plus Marvel Universe, I think of, like, yeah, if I get the flu, I'll get caught up. On yeah. WandaVision, Loki. Maybe that's what maybe. they want. That's what the Mighty Ducks was for a generation. You stayed home <laughs> sick and watched D2. <laughs> I'm sick. It's on TBS. Might as well. Well, well yeah. That's how, we all, that's how we all kind of trick ourselves into thinking that Shawshank, uh, Shawshank Redemption is a great film, which it is. It's just like we all saw it 20 million times in separate mm-hmm. parts when we were home. Yeah. Did you? I've never seen it as a, a, a straight through movie i've only i've seen the whole movie but i've only seen it in you know 40 minute chunks with 30 minutes of commercials in between yeah always on tnt mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i have it they like, know drama I do. I, like, I, okay so i'm gonna this is somewhat of a controversial to take right. here i think the lake house is a sorry i think the lake house <laughs> this is where my brain's at <laughs> i think shawshank redemption is a good movie but i how many of us have actually ever sat down and like when you want to watch it, do you want to do you sit down and watch the whole thing like from beginning to end? Because from beginning to end, is it really a good, uh, good movie or is it just it's got these great parts that when it's on, you know, go, OK, good. I- I'm I'm in now. Like you can pick it up at any point in time and you're good. But the beginning is kind of rough from like it's kind of sad. Mm-hmm. And I think it's. And then you get out of that, but it's much easier to dive into the into the middle of that film. So, as a second and third viewing, it's probably better as Mike is uh, taking it in. Is like, oh, the the opera scene's coming on. Sure, I'll I'll, I'll watch this or or um, yeah. you know the end. They're at say once an hour or whatever. But I would love to rewatch it, start to front, with someone who's never seen it. Specifically, my wife, who's who's only ever seen. Um, uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm drawing a blank on the one movie she always says is her favorite uh, movie. The Trading Places movie with Lindsay Lohan and 
Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> 13 Number going on 30? Movie of all time. 13 going on 30. <laughs> I don't even know. But no, that's with Jennifer with Gardner. Oh. <laughs> Be- what movie? Um, what? What is it? Oh, no, I'm going to Google it. It's Freaky Friday. Don't ask me Freaky how I know Friday. this. <laughs> Don't ask me how I know it. Oh. oh anyway, I'd love movie. to see it with someone who's never seen it. Just to experience the – to remember what it was like to think Andy killed himself. You know? Spoiler, he didn't, folks who, who haven't seen Shawshank. Yeah, but just, just my wife. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That's so funny. Uh, <laughs> like a fart in the wind. Uh, I'm trying to think what – I uh, – What's the last good movie that I saw? I've been Luke like is a, getting so excited kick. right now that he can I share am. this I stuff am. with you. And I'm like, Luke, oh, well, I'm done. <laughs> you have to see Top Gun. I the do. Last I really good movie do. I saw was was Top Gun. And, I've been and dying that's to see, in like a top tier of anything I've ever seen. I've been dying to see Top Gun and Elvis. Elvis oh, is coming out. Elvis HBO yet. Max is coming out. I know. But um, I want to see it in a theater. Luke, how about this? How about I fly you out next weekend? They're going to do a catechist blessing at the 9 a.m. mass. You come there. You sleep through that. <laughs> and then I have the world's most jam-packed day. But at the end of the day, me and you go. <laughs> and I just have to tag along again. I've done that yeah. a thousand times. I've hey, come to our middle school kickoff. <laughs> <laughs> hey, kids, boy, ugly, ugly, ugly. <laughs> it's also our fellowship Sunday, so I'll treat you to a um, cold donut from HEB. For free. Mm, uh, donation, for free. if you'd like, but for free. <laughs> 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 Can awesome. you warm it up in the microwave for me? Not a costume. What, uh, <laughs> are there any other movies that you're excited about, Nate, that are going to be coming out soon? Hmm. Ooh. Um, Black good Adam. question. No. <laughs> no, I, I don't, I'm not sure I can We're think still of in the kind uh, of pandemic rut where it's just there's just not a steady stream of stuff yet well the christmas movie seasons is like we should know what's coming out this winter right like the big ones i don't even know what to expect though the big one that i'm i'm excited about is the christopher nolan film um i forget the oh, name oppenheimer of it. yeah oppenheimer yeah but that trailer looks phenomenal uh i thought you didn't watch trailers i know but that one did <laughs> that one i will yeah that's that's i think that's next year or next summer, anyway. Uh, I've ne- I haven't even heard of it. Okay, it looks really, really good. Let me, let me it's what... twenty twenty three. Oh, okay. Wait, since you're a fan of of the, the Ringer Podcast Network, is Home Alone a Christmas movie? I think it is. Yeah, it has to Bill be. Simmons is full of shit. It absolutely is. Yeah. I get so mad it's, when he says that. It's set at Christmas. Everyone watches it at Christmas. Uh, it's yeah. It, the good soundtrack has you know silver bells in it. It's a Christmas movie. Avatar. That's in there. That song. Oh, Avatar is coming out. Are you I, Avatar? I'm in on Avatar. It's, this is another one of those categories where why would I want it to be bad? Okay. I don't I, care. I want I, it to be good. See, Did you I think the first so, one was good? Sure. I watched I'm it once. So angry about <laughs> Avatar because people were like, it's the highest grossing film ever. I'm like, no, it's not. You have that is a film where you absolutely have to account for inflation and for the fact that it was put in 3D movies. So it like yeah. it's artificially higher, just because, but I mean, I this is where you're a better person than than me because I'm still bitter about it. people being like it's the one of the best movies ever. I'm like garbage. I was, yeah. it was not one of the best movies ever, but it was one of those. It was a spectacle, and, and man, it, I guess it was a, a CGI spectacle that was just cool to look at. It was just Pocahontas in space, but it was still cool. I have no idea yeah. what they're gonna do, but I don't care. I would I would rather Avatar two 
to Avatar, to Furious, be good than it be a huge letdown. You know, I hope I hope that's a good film. Is that no, this Christmas? I'm I'm all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be with you. All right, Luke, you ready? You ready? Yep. yep. Highest grossing films adjusted for inflation as of 2020. Number one, what do you think it is? What do you think of all the movies? I'm gonna it's give you a hint. Oh fuck. Yeah, it's gone with the wind. <laughs> yeah, it's not even close. It's not yeah. even close. Gone with the wind. Well, Gone with the Wind is three point seven billion and Avatar is three point two billion. When you account for inflation? Yeah, yeah. This see, is inflation. Like again, I don't think they're accounting for because th- it's more expensive to go to a three D movie. Oh, true, true, true. So but you got I Gone with the Wind, Avatar. But people also were willing to pay it to go to a 3D movie. So Gone with the Wind, Avatar, Titanic. Fair. Star Wars, Avengers Endgame. Number six is The Sound of Music. Seven is E.T. That makes me happy. Eight, The Ten Commandments, which I love. A man, a man. Uh, nine, Dr. Shivago, never seen it. Number 10, Star Wars, The Force Awakens. Really? Yeah. Um, now, when not adjusted, adjusted for inflation, it is Avatar, Avengers Endgame, Titanic, Star Wars, Avengers Infinity War, Spider-Man No Way Home, Jurassic World, dot, dot, dot. No one go- Top Gun Maverick is the 12th. Wow. Let's go. Man. Let's do it. Tom Cruise made so much money. Do you know? So he makes um the, the, the longer it stays in, in movie theaters, the more money he makes off of that. Really? So he he already had, the- he'll make Generation Wealth just off of that film. Good for Tom Cruise. It's good to see him get a win. He is, he's had a rough 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> sure, he's okay with people being kidnapped. This guy's um, being kidnapped. What does that mean? Uh, the, there's something about like the founder of Scientology. His wife was kidnapped oh. for a bit, and some people think he knew about it. It's, it's weird. Scientology is a weird thing. It is. A weird thing. That's um, nah, okay. You know what? It's late. We're both tired. We're both just manly men. We all have beards. Look at that. We all have <laughs> beards. stress us out. We all have manly. Yeah, <laughs> trying to, yeah it's, this is, this it's is how it ends. It's Usually, time. What, like you hear, is just a nice clean ending. Nat, I watched the lake house on TV with commercials once. <laughs> I Nat, love see, that. Nat's great. Nat's great. <laughs> Nate, thank you so much for coming on this episode. Yeah, thanks, dude. You've this been awesome. Fun. Very fun. Thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'm going to stop the recording. Thank you, everyone, for paying uh, attention. Luke, you can't stop the live. recording. Only I can. No, Three. it's right there. Oh, but I'm the, I'm the guy in charge.